We've all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But I think that some people are just better at maybe not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guest this week is Stuart Walter. He is a hypnotherapist that specializes in elite business and sports performance, uh, which pretty much means he puts professional athletes and high-level professionals into deep meditative states and then helps them clear out all the bullshit and nonsense inside their brain that is stopping them from being the best version of them possible. And then they go out in the world and show us all how much better they are than the rest of us. So if you don't believe uh, in this concept or you think it sounds like a bit of a hocus pocus or you don't believe that your brain also is filled with a bunch of shit that's stopping you from becoming the best version of you possible, then you might not be interested in this conversation. But I would argue that this might be the very conversation for you to listen to because it will help you realize that Usually it is your own dumb head that's standing in the way of you becoming the best version of you possible. And it's not that arbitrary group of people that you've decided are evil and hate for no good reason. Stuart is also a Taekwondo black belt. So he also understands the difficulty and the amount of work it takes to become elite at any kind of sport or level. And this is a great conversation about martial arts, about the brain. Uh, he gives us some great tips on how to clear the shit out of your head without having to go to see a hypnotherapist. And he also mentions that he wrote a book. And if you send him an email, he will just reply to the email with the ebook version of his book. Um, his email address is stuart at elitemindsetinstitute.com. But I've got the links here on my website as well as on the Facebook post, etc. Hope you guys have a great week. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Here it is. Hi, Stuart. Hello. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much for coming down to do my podcast. Welcome. You are a hypnotherapist. Yes. And I imagine that there are a lot of people out there that go, hack. <laughs> well, the there's two types. That? One, they've already run away. Yeah. Or two, they want to, ooh, that's yeah. interesting. Give me What's more. That? Give me more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. The, the skepticism about hypnosis is just, it's incredible. Yeah. Facing it on a day-to-day basis. What I found interesting is when I first went out as, right, hypnotherapy, it had that same effect, which is some people would literally run yeah. and others want to know more about it. And I thought that was a massive uh, limitation to my business because yeah. it was scaring so many people away. And I just went, no, I'll just have to change it to something else. So I went into mind mastery. So that sounds pretty good. Yeah. But as soon as you mention hypnosis, they go two things again. Either they run and they're not going to come and see you anyway or they want to know more and more more about it. Yeah. So I just thought, nah, let's just get out there and just go, it is what it is. If you look at meditation, look at mindfulness, you look at NLP, you look at visualisation or visual motor rehearsal or cognitive behavioural therapy, it's the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same. So why people are so scared by it is really just lack of knowledge. 
And it's mostly because people, uh, as far as my experience of it is that people are, think that you're going to take advantage of them when they're in a vulnerable state. They think mm. that they have no control when they're under hypnosis. Yeah, the problem is this is probably the most you actually are under control. We are, wow. Yourself, because you get all those external barriers and limitations away and then you truly become internal, become yourselves. Yeah. So if only people knew that this is probably the most control you've ever been. If you go out in the world, you look at um, un, what it, um, subliminal advertising, you look at marketing, you look at promotion, you look at pe- people's beliefs. Yeah. That is far more hi- hypnotizable or mesmerizing <laughs> than anyone else or anything else that I can deliver. Yeah, and mm. advertising is the, is absolutely right. That I mean, they prey on our psychology mm. in order to get us to make a decision that yeah. benefits the company. Yeah, I'm, I'm a specialist in obviously the mind and communication. I look at a lot of this stuff that's on subliminal advertising and on radio and TV, and it is loaded. Yeah. It is loaded. If you ever find yourself in a shop or a seminar or something or TV and ad, and you just go, what do I ever buy that for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you think you're out of control. Yeah. Mm. And um, so is there, is there a potential for sort of shonky hypnotherapists out there in the world that are trying to manipulate your mind or something stupid? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of people that are, have the ability to, but it's one of those incredible things that I can't stuff stuff up in my job. Yeah. Because you've got this survival program within you that you're not going to be made to do anything you wouldn't want to do. So anything outside your normal model of the world, it's not possible to change. Yeah, okay. So if you've got someone who is quite an out there type of person, yeah, I I can push the limits and push the boundaries. But if you have someone who's kind of like the average accountant, they get really excited and might go, yay. And that's about it, very limited results. Yeah. Um, So, look, I can't make any people do what they don't want to do. Mm. Even when you see the comedy stage hypnosis shows, they're people that are wanting to be hypnotised. Right. Which means they're kind of out there people anyway, which means you're going to be able to push the limits and push the boundaries. Yeah, because they want to believe, they want to buy into the Yeah, they want to buy into it, it or yeah. they've had the experience or they've known someone who wants to do it. So therefore the belief is, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they understand that obviously it's about fun, it's about something silly and mm. they're not embarrassed. I know um, I have done a bunch of different hypnotherapy myself. I did yeah. it first because I was afraid of flying and I yeah. had to fly for work. Mm. And so I was having panic attacks on the plane and I went to the doctor and they gave me Valium. And That's so I, always going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so sleep I, through it. <laughs> I was taking Valium and I mm. was flying in week in, week out. So I was flying yeah. twice a week, every mm. other week. Wow. And so I was taking that much Valium all the time that I started, you know, I'd have four Valium and they'd barely do anything. You know, I was just building up a tolerance mm. to it. And I yeah. would feel groggy and weird at work for the week. And I just started feeling like yeah. I was kind of dependent on it. So I was like, well, this isn't going to work either. I mm. can't, I can't sustain this for as long as I have to do this job for. So I ended up looking up a hypnotherapist and she helped me work through my anxieties about it. And I have no idea really how it worked except Mm. for that I felt so clean. Yeah. Like my brain felt so clear and calm afterward. Would you mind maybe describing to us what's kind of happening there? What's kind of happening is, I mean, let's look at the the mind in two parts. One, you've got the conscious mind. That's probably what three to five percent of how we think, act and behave which means the 93 to 95% or 95 to 97% is not is unconscious. Yeah. And people think, "Oh, you got a greater level of consciousness." But you don't really because think about your heart beating. 
That's mm. automatic. That's at the unconscious level. Your breathing's at the unconscious level. All your organs are working at the unconscious level. Every system in your mo- in your body is working at the unconscious level. You don't need to tell it what to do. Yeah. So if you consider that, and then you consider all your thought processes, the thoughts all come from that deep unconscious mind, then comes up into the conscious mind to then question, analyse, judge, hit with emotions, and then go, what our number one survival, which is protection. Yeah. So everything we do is there to protect us from potential hurt, potential harm physically and emotionally. So our gut instinct says, right, let's go do this. But then your unconscious mind goes, yeah, yeah, but. (laughs) So it's only the very thin level of the conscious mind that starts questioning. And that's, that's the difference between incredible success and average and failure in life. So what happens is when we start slowing down and when you start getting relaxed, we then go beyond, beyond that conscious level into the unconscious where there's no external factors. It's just purely you remove yourself from the emotions, therefore all you've got is logic, visual, imagination. You've got all the tools and resources you've ever experienced to go, right, this is what I'm going to do. So it becomes very, very clear. I'm sorry, does fear exist in there? Is there fear in our subconscious mind? No. 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 There's only survival. Gut instinct is is there. You've got got that really deep survival, Mm -hmm. but that's, oh, look, there's a cliff. There's an edge. Oh, then all of a sudden the visual, the emotional, all the the senses then kind of link themselves up and go, oh, close to edge of cliff, need to pull back. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's where the fear exists. And we spoke just briefly before about what is the main thing that stops people in life, and it is number one, fear. Yeah. Okay? And that's it. And that's our natural survival mechanism is fear. And that's why with everything we go, yeah, we'd like to do this, but any of those buts or excuses or self-sabotage, procrastination, doubts, they are all fear in their own little world. So anxiety is a fear. Yeah. Like the flying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing changes in your life apart from a bit of a switch inside your head. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're able to fly. So where is it? Right. Mm. And and you're saying that that stuff exists mostly in the conscious mind. All of those anxieties, fears, doubts, all the buts yeah. live up there in the conscious mind. They live mind up in the conscious mind because that's the emotional protection or filter. So let's okay. look at everything you've ever done, thought, dreamt, understood, remembered, experienced in your past. It's all sitting in the past. Yeah. Everything positive is what we call processed. That's sitting in your mind now. Mm. So therefore, anything that's not processed is a negative experience. In oh. times where, where we start slowing down or thinking or on holidays or toilet, bath, shower, driving, and mind goes back to process information, like when you're sleeping as well. If when you go back, the only thing back there is negative because everything positive is processed, that's when your mind starts then churning. Oh, that's where people that's go towards what we call the masking agents. Masking agents, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, food, or keeping busy. Yeah. So if you look at every overweight person, Okay, I know they're overweight because of past experiences, past trauma. They're using food as self-medication. Yeah. Same with drugs, same with cigarettes, same with alcohol. And even these days, busy. People are staying so busy, even kids these days, you see them, they cannot stop and look. The phone's got to be out. They've got to be doing something. Even when we get home, phone's on, radio's on, something's going on. Mm. People have lost the art of actually slowing down. Yeah. So that's those masking agents. All they're designed to do is just protect you from potential hurt, potential harm, because you don't want to think about it in the past. Okay. So fear only exists now, but it's only being created through past experiences. Okay. You can't have fear in the future. Okay? Wow, that's so interesting. So you're basically saying that any time that we are not distracted by something or actively doing something, the mind 
automatically goes to process information yeah. that we haven't processed. Exactly. And usually, and, and so what would stop us from processing something? If we go to one of these alternate states, one of the masking agents, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, food, keeping busy, what they do is take you to an altered state so therefore your mind will bypass the conscious yeah. and go straight into the unconscious mind so therefore it doesn't actually have to think about it. Okay. So you'll find a lot of people when they go to sleep at night, they might go to sleep because they're physically, emotionally exhausted, but when they do have that bit of a, a lighter sleep during the middle of the night, they'll click over into the conscious state and the brain will just start churning. Yeah. Well. That's where it does its processing. And is there methods that you can do to process information when it happens so that it doesn't come back to you later? Yeah, the best thing people can do is spend 20 minutes a day just what I call my creative time or self-hypnosis or meditative type of time. If you take 20 minutes, and most people find it really difficult to go and sit on the beach and sit, no devices, no nothing, and sit for 20 minutes. Yeah. People freak out these days <laughs> because they're just not used to it. So if we can do that somewhere between late afternoon, early evening, what actually happens is all the stuff that's in our brain will just start churning and start processing. So therefore, when we do go to sleep, we go, hey, mind's clear, go to sleep and you stay asleep. Okay. And what if some of the stuff you have to process is really traumatic or scary or hard to deal with? There's so many ways you can actually do it. Yeah, there true. is so many ways. I've got a lot of processes that I work with individual clients mm. and corporate teams and sporting teams to actually help them process that at night because our mind is incredibly powerful that it's going to process it. I mean, let's just say an example of I've heard researchers say we've got 60,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> My God. Which will lead to 60,000 actions, reactions, behaviours, beliefs and habits. 60,000. Yeah, wow. And if we're only aware of, let's just say, 5% of them, what's that, 3,000? So where are the other ones processing? So if all we can do is slow ourselves down our unconscious mind will then start processing without the emotional attachment at that conscious level. We'll just drop down to our deep knowledgeable state, which is the, the analytical, the, the visual, the, the auditory, and start processing at that level. Therefore, there's no emotional connection. Therefore, you won't feel that draining or yeah, that emotional okay. state. And that triggering, sort of that sensation of feeling anxious or Yeah, or and that's where the anxiety it. is. Is basically it's, it's, that, it's the doubt, it's a fear created through, oh, this is what I've done in the past. This is similar to what I've done here. I don't know the outcome. I'm going into survival mode. How do I protect myself? But I want to do this. Yeah. There's that whole anxious state and worrying about worrying. Yeah, man. Wow. Because 90, 93% of things we worry about never actually happen. So what's actually happening to the brain in a state of hypnosis? Because basically you're saying is that you're bypassing this conscious filter so that we can get into this processing state. Yeah. What's actually physically happening to the brain? It's, it's rewiring itself and, and re-remembering and wow. relearning, basically. It takes you back to existing situations or past situations that you've been through and it's just simply switching emotions. Wow. Let's look at husband and wife who get married one day as an example. Okay, they walk down the aisle, well, the woman does, to a song. So automatically this song is then connected to that experience. Yep. So when they hear this song again, it's all love and happiness and it's all wonderful and it takes it back to her wedding day. So five years' time, they hear the song and bang, instantly back to wedding day, love and happiness. Yeah. But imagine if in 10 years' time, this couple split, okay? That same trigger, which is the song, is there, but it's going to trigger. Instead of triggering that love and happiness, it's going to be trigger fear, doubt, nerves, anxiety, bitter anger, yeah. frustrations because of the experience that that's actually happened. Yeah. So everything in life is what we call a trigger-based response. There's a certain trigger and we've got a built-in response. Sure. 
See, all we do at the unconscious level, like I just said there, is imagine the song now attached to a different emotion. Mm. Okay? Because if you can switch a negative love and happiness through an experience to automatically that song now becomes a negative, we can do it the other way as well. Yeah. So if you've got negative experiences in your life, when you go back and analyse that from a distance and question it again, it's like, right, if you were to experience that again, how would you like to have reacted? Yeah. Because if you choose your emotions, your actions, your behaviours, your beliefs, your habits, why would you choose to react in a negative way? If you could control you, how would you like to respond? Are you in control of that situation? No. Well, then it's irrelevant. If yeah. you are, how would you like to respond? Yeah. And just wow. simply do that. That's a very conscious way of doing it, but there's certainly very easy unconscious ways of doing it. Like I said, even that 20-minute meditation, you could go in there with the intention of, right, when I respond this way to a certain habit or uh, experience, that was the old version, bang, let that one go, analyse what was helping you, why it was relevant, why you responded that way, and how it's actually helping you now. When you find it's not actually helping you move forward, then you go, right, how would I like to be? Okay, well, I'd like to wire myself this way, so therefore next time this happens, that happens, this is how it feels, therefore a positive and beneficial outcome. Wow, yeah. You can do that quite easily. It takes a bit of time and there's certainly a lot of processes that are around um, that I can offer and give some advice to people. Yeah, that's so cool. Because it is, I mean, it's interesting to think of it like a negative response to something like kind of like a Band-Aid. Like, so something scary happens, you put the mm. Band-Aid over it to deal with it at yeah. that moment. It doesn't mean that the Band-Aid is going to stay on your skin for the rest of your life. But in our psyche, unfortunately, if we yeah. get hurt, we put that Band-Aid over it, like that this kind of certain reaction, this rejection or fear or anger or whatever. Yeah. And then the next time we get a cut, we put instead of putting a new Band-Aid over the top of it to deal with that new cut, we just take that old, scabby, horrible Band-Aid and stretch it out yeah. and put it over it again. Yeah. So it's not... Because I think this is an interesting way of looking at it, that it's not something wrong with us that we're bad people because mm. we had an angry response or a fearful response or whatever. Yeah. It just means that you... I, that's interesting. I didn't know that, that you just mm. haven't processed it. Yeah, it's a trigger-based response. It's like when you see a red light. Yeah. First thing you do is slam the brakes on. Yeah, yeah. But over a period of time, when you first learned to drive, all the neural pathways were so scattered that you had to go, oh, that's right, I have to take my foot off the accelerator, put it onto the brake, the brake is over there, put some pressure on it, yeah. but how much do I put pressure on it? The first time you've probably driven, you probably shoved yourself through the windscreen because you applied <laughs> it so hard. Yeah. But over a period of time, now you've only got to see a red light and bang, within within a second... Millions of calculations happen to go, right, where do I need to stop? On the line, behind the line, five cars back. Yeah, yeah, Based yeah. on the speed, based on the condition, based on the car, based on the, the road, or can I stop safely with a big bus coming through? Yeah. All that happens in, a, is, happens in a split second mm. and the body reacts. So all that happened over how many years of predetermined outcomes and trigger-based response, and the response just speeds up every time. Yeah. It's like a child learning to walk. They don't. The day they decided to walk wasn't the day they walked. It might have been three, might have been five months later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because all the neural pathways had to connect to get the balance right, to get the, the sequence right, to be able to make it happen. Mm. Yet we now just, bang, instantly make a decision and we're walking. Yeah, wow. The decision is conscious. We don't walk consciously. No one can walk consciously. We'd all fall over. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Because <laughs> yeah. I... I work with some incredible athletes and, and they don't get this. I said, well, you train your muscle memory. 
But they, they said, oh, but it's all up in the conscious mind. You've got to be aware of this. And no, you don't. Just let it go. Trust you can do this. Yeah. Like, as I, as I explained, you can't walk without the decision to walk. But not one athlete or any person I've worked with over the last 12, 13 years has able to explain the first thing that happens to be able to walk. No one's got it. Yeah, like what, what inside your body needs to happen. What is the first thing that happens? What is the first physical movement? Everyone goes, well, you move your foot. Well, you can't if you've got equal pressure on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So there's got to be a weight transition. But that yeah. weight transition is, is basically opposite of where you want to go. You've got to kind of lean forward and uh, toward where you're going to go to create the momentum to take the pressure off one leg to take the step, but you've got to have the momentum as well. Yeah, yeah. So you basically lean at 45 degrees away from where you want to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the first thing that moves is your head. Oh, really? Mm. Have a look at the traffic light. When you see... Yeah, yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Because everyone's looking down, the first thing they do is lean forward to create momentum. Yeah, these are an amazing These are amazing things. Like when you break down the processes of how we do our automatic mm. things, we really... It, and we teach this in Muay Thai, obviously, yeah. a lot. Like we have to teach in phases. You'll teach mm. somebody how to kick and you'll tell them all of the basic fundamentals of it yeah. and they'll get that level hmm. but then it's a constant process of refinement but without that fundamental level and without yeah. all of the first mistakes they're going to make they'll hmm. never ever get to make that round kick they have to make it poorly yeah more or less for the first little while until hmm. they can get to it because it is it's about building a language it's like first you learn the words that go into the sentence then you yep. learn the sentence structure yep. and then you put them together and then eventually they fluidly flow exactly and that's all you're doing in martial arts having been there myself in taekwondo it's exactly mm. the same which is you're teaching your body to work in a certain system everything works in a system mm. so all you got to do is then go right this is what needs to happen so when you're doing pattern form kata where you're doing practice where you that is all you're doing is through your body you're training your muscles to an automatic response Right. So when the pressure is on, because that's what happens in our brain as well, when you're um, under pressure and survival and stress responses, our mind goes back to past experiences. Yeah. So if you've trained at a very inconsistent level because your body hasn't done the right thing, you haven't done the right thing all the time, then you're going to have inconsistent results. If you mm -hmm. always train the same way, when the pressure is applied, you're always going to fight the same way. Yeah, wow. And so um, for somebody who, ha say, I mean, for me exactly, I guess we'll use me as an example. Um, acting is a good example of this. I, mm -hmm. When I was younger, I tried out for plays a lot. I yep. um, loved to be on stage, but I never got good parts. I was never very good at auditioning. I'm not the greatest actor, and I'm definitely a terrible singer. So I was always a kind of the comedy relief, like the, you know, like one of the side characters that occasionally yeah, does yeah. some comic relief. And for a while, I would just, I would always just pretend like I didn't care, even though the rejection hurt so bad every single time I did it. If I didn't mm. get the part, I try, I try, yeah. didn't get the part. And so then I would just pretend like I didn't care. Yep. And then I've developed now this attitude that like, I'm, I, I would never try out for a play. I think plays are dorky and it's stupid. And I would like, I have this like bitter resentment yeah. about it. So now you've justified the excuse and it's become a normal <laughs> response and a habit yeah yeah so you know you're gonna fail so therefore you don't do it therefore you're making excuses yeah and so yeah. i you pretend like i don't care so that i don't have to feel that feeling of rejection yeah. anymore so that's the brain working to do its job which is protect you from potential hurt potential harm yeah. physically emotionally so if you kept pushing yourself every day to get on stage your brain's going why are you doing this to me 
You're yeah. stressing me out. You're making me sick. The body, if you, if your mind goes right, I'm going to do it, going to do it, going to do it. Your body goes, no, I'm too scared. It's going to crack. Yeah. It's going to break. Yeah. And I've so, seen so many athletes and so many people breaking in business and in sport because they're just not listening to the basics of the body through their mind. So how do you fix that kind of programming? Um, it's one is awareness. Yep. Without okay. the awareness, nothing's going to change. So I'll, I'll give an experience of a three-time world 70.3 iron woman that I'm working with. Oh, God. Well, it might be four times now. Um, she pushes and pushes and pushes so much so that she breaks. And she'll get to the point where her body, her mind is saying, hey, look, give me a break. Her body is going, no, I've got to keep going because my opposition are training when I can't. Yeah, we're the same. So what I'll do, I'll just slow down. And this is a typical pattern for any athlete or any person in business, to be honest. Most people start experiencing resistance to the potential about 40%. Yep. 40%. So think about when you start going, oh, I don't know if I can multiply it by double and then half again and you're getting close to what your potential is. Wow. Okay, it is incredible. So as I said to this triathlete, I said, you're probably only putting about 80% in. She did all the tests. I said, go out, test it, do not measure anything. Put the black tape over the screen, just go for it. And she came out at 80%. Most athletes do compete around 80%. Okay, this is scary. When you've yeah. got world champions competing at 80%, it's scary. So she's basically saying, look, I don't want to go any harder because my brain and my body are probably going to break. So therefore, I'll just ease off a bit. But they ease off to 40%. For any athletes out there, do not slow down. Stop. Oh, wow. Okay? Because equal and opposite reaction. This is energy. So if you want to go from 80% performance up to 100 when your mind says slow down, don't slow down. You stop. You stop, rewind, refocus, recharge, and then go again. Hmm. So when you go again, you're going to go harder because your mind is going to go, oh, great, it's actually listening to me. So therefore, I'll give you 85%. Wow. So then when you get a little message going, hey, look, slow down a touch, you might get, yeah, stop. Huh. Okay, then you go back to 90. Stop, 95. Okay, and she's the first, I believe, the first female triathlete in history that's won three events within a certain time frame in the one country. And wow. these are major world events. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, it was only just recently over in the States. And how do you know when the rest time is over? You've just got to listen to your body. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, let's use the example of a footballer. Okay, you look at like the state of origin footballers or the Australian Wallabies. You get the front props. They get the ball, they grab it and they go hard. 100% bang. They get tackled, fall over, stand back up. What they do is they retreat straight back behind the line of play. They suck in the air, they refresh, refocus, re-engage, step back up in the lineup. bang, they get the ball again and they go hard. Hmm. So everyone knows that when they've got the ball, they're going to go hard. But imagine if they just step back and went, oh, I've got the ball again now, I'm not refreshed, I'm not revitalised, I'm not ready to go again. Okay, They're only going to be pushing up at 80%, they're going to be pushing up at 60 they're going to be pushing up at 50%. Hmm. And all of a sudden your inconsistency is starting to appear. Yep. When you start slowing down and actually stopping your brain is more likely to go, right, I know, bang, when I'm going to switch on, it's going to be 100% because I'm listening to my body. Wow. And therefore it's more likely to allow you to just be at your potential. So having a real connection to yourself, to your brain, to your body, to your emotions, to all of it. So here's a good question for you, I guess. Um, I talk to a lot of people who are very connected to like their intuition. They they really trust their gut feeling. Yeah, yeah. 
But a lot of times I think people have a hard time differentiating between what their gut feeling is and what's fear or resistance telling them to stop. Yeah, well, gut, gut resource, uh, the gut intuition is always, yeah, go for it. The fear is the result from that. That's when the brain starts analysing, but what about this, but what about that, but what about that? Oh, remember that thing in the past, therefore that's that trigger. There's a response, that sensation within your body that goes, <gasps> fear. Yeah, don't do it. See, I'll give you an example, an equation. I use this in all my seminars and workshops. Your existing results, think about it. If you're looking at your potential being 100%, like you can't put in 110% because you can't go any better than what you've actually ever been, correct? Yeah. So your potential is always 100%. But think about that. This is your best ever fight, the best ever game, the best ever sport, the best ever day in your life. That is your potential. And then have a think about your existing results. So your existing results, they might be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% of your potential. But your existing results equal your potential minus your fears. Huh. And that's the only difference. Fear is that one thing that's going to stop anyone from any level of success. Yeah. And you're pretty much saying if you hear a voice of fear, it's not your gut feeling. It's not... Because I guess the the people that I've talked to, you know, so they go like, oh, I was going to go, but I got that gut feeling, so I decided not to and I stayed home. Yeah, but remember again that formula, that 40%, 80% situation. If you want to go to 100%, you've got to stop. Most yeah, people true. start experiencing that resistance of 40% of the potential. You've got to understand yourself so well, which is why that 20-minute meditative state and meditation time, that quiet time, is so critical for any athlete or any person. Yeah. Because then you get to really connect to your body. And as woo-woo as it sounds, it makes a difference. Yeah. It really makes a difference. You do some research on any of the top elite sports uh, sports people in the world, I can guarantee they take just as much time and just as regimented with their sleep and their guided meditation, their visualization, visualization time yeah. to actually achieve it. See, one hour of visualization equals seven hours of physical exertion. <laughs> so you want to go train for seven hours or close your eyes for an hour? Yeah. I know which one I'd be doing. Yeah, man. And because if you're doing it visually, you're doing it at 100% technique. The technique is perfect. Yeah. And I guess you have to have an understanding of the technique first through physical practice and then you do that visualization. What, mm. what are good visualization tactics that people can use? I'll tell you a top secret on this one. Yes. So any martial arts ad, ask, artists, I say artists. Uh, artists. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, sorry about that. Artists out there. Okay, mm. now go and find the best in the world. Have a look at their YouTube channel. Have a look at their videos. Have a look at their fighting concept basically and their techniques because – I experienced this years ago. I've kind of created this whole concept um, that basically the brain doesn't know if you're actually visually doing something or physically doing it. And if you have never, say, a 10-second 100-metre runner, if you're doing 10.1, you've never run at 10 seconds. You don't know how to do it. There's a belief in you that says, I think I can do it. So go find a video of Hussein Bolt. Yeah. Okay? Watch it on YouTube, but not watching... Hussein Bolt, but you watch you. So replace Hussein Bolt with yourself and imagine you sitting there watching you. And I can guarantee if you're in a relaxed state, your muscles are going to be twitching at the same time. Wow. So what you're actually doing now, your muscles, because you're that connected to, let's just say your, your Thai boxing, your Muay, Muay Thai? Muay Thai, Muay Thai always, yeah. I always get that word, my, Muay, Muay. Muay Thai. <laughs> when you go and have a look at these fighters, I can guarantee if you've got that connection with as a fighter, 
You just watch any fight and your muscles will be twitching at the same time. You might not even notice it, but you're leaning one direction, you're leaning back, you're engaging his core muscles, you've got your legs twitching. Yeah. All these muscles are actually now teaching your brain as new muscle memory. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Do you know, every fighter that I know, we hmm. we kick and punch in our sleep, like all the time. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. Used, it's brilliant. I, the, one of the guys that I was dating last year was also you a fighter. Him out of bed. And both of us <laughs> together, we'd be sleeping in bed next to each other and we were both preparing for fights a bunch mm-hmm. of the time. And we were just, all the time, would just accidentally kick each other, twitch each yeah. other. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's just your muscle memory. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've got some incredible videos of athletes doing that while they're sitting. And watching these videos in my in my treatment rooms, yeah, they don't even know they're twitching. Yet the whole body is shaking. Is the muscles the way if they're either swimming or rowing or fighting? You could increase breathing. You can feel it all happen. You can see the energy. It's just brilliant. Wow, just brilliant. So there's a secret for any martial artist out there: is basically watch the best. Yeah, you okay. watch them as you watching you, and you'll find all those little muscles will be twitching. So next time you step up there. You're going to start releasing the new muscle memory, which is what you've just watched. Yeah. And you have to get better and faster. That's so cool. Mm. So um, one thing that tends to happen, I see it in a lot of our fighters, and I definitely feel it in myself. I can see them doing it because I know personally the experience completely. Yeah. When you get, I don't really know how to describe this very well, so bear with me, but it's like I'll get into a, a mode where yeah. I am completely... Pretty much, I'm a piece of shit. There's no way I can do this. I'm never going to get any better at this. Why do, Why am I such a mm-hmm. fuck up? Yep. And I feel this like really deep sense of hopelessness that yep. no matter what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. I'm just never going to be good enough. Yep. How do you get out of that? How'd you get into it? Usually it's like... Um, well, usually I'm kind of, I'm tired and I have a higher Bingo. expectation. There you uh, go. Tired. See what happens? When you're tired, you're not listening to your body. That's exactly what happens. You revert back to learned behaviors and survival. Survival yeah. is, why would I put myself in that path where I could actually get hurt? Yeah, okay. Okay, so it's not about how do you get into that positive state, but why do you get in the negative one to start with? Yeah. Okay. And I get it a lot with rejection or, or like my expectation mm. of what I should be able to do doesn't match what's actually happening. I Again, there's, there's, I there's fear, better. which is this is what my body wants to do. This is where I want to go. Your brain starts thinking, well, what about the past? What about the past? Mm. If you don't like rejection, where did you learn that experience? In the past. Yeah. Through experiences, through emotions. So therefore, again, your brain goes, well, here's an opportunity. Oh, I don't want to get rejected. Therefore, I won't do it. Yeah. There you go. And you're creating this same pattern, this same repeating thing. So the thing is, the typical, I guess, sales thing is if you don't like the fear of rejection, you're going to get rejected anyway if you do make that step. Or if you don't make the step, you're actually yeah. rejecting yourself. You're guaranteed But on to that fail, conscious yeah. level, that's, that's all it is, is basically, hey, look, you don't think you can do it, why do it? Because you're only putting yourself at risk physically and emotionally by stepping into the, into the ring. Yeah. Where you could get hurt. Been there, done that. I've I've had days when my martial arts and fighting where you just you cannot get off the ground. Everything's going wrong. You're copying it from everywhere. Yeah. Okay. But I'm fortunate enough to be able to understand the mind to go, that didn't work. Stop, relax, refresh, take a day or miss a training session, but then turn up. Yeah. And there's so many coaches out there that Oh, so many athletes, sorry, we'll look at the athletes first going, but I have to go, or I yeah. have to go. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, you don't because if you're turning up at 60%, you're training your muscles and your mind at 60%, not 100. Yeah. So step back. 
stop for a moment, then go back because the coach is going to be happier because you're going to be there, you're going to be committed. So they know every time you turn up, it's going to be 100% now. Yeah. And that's where my inconsistency came from because I'd be 10 foot tall and bulletproof one training session, the next training session at 30%. I'm traveling two weeks every month uh, for business and it was inconsistent training. So how did I fight? Well, inconsistent. Yeah. The difference for me is, well, fortunately, my mum was a naturopath and hypnotherapist, <laughs> which is how I got involved. I was just talking to her before one of the state titles. And I said, well, this is my situation. She goes, well, I can help you. And I sat there for two hours in a chair and just closed my eyes and went, yeah, right, listen to mother. How's this going to help me? Yeah. But I had a training session that night and I tell you what, it was just incredible. I could actually, it was like I could read my opposition's mind. Wow. And looking at their brain and going, right, I know it's going to be a right-handed punch. No, oh, hang on, it's a left hand. Oh, oh, it's a right kick. And by the time you, you're so aware, it's it's in that zone. That's what I it was like. I love that feeling. When you're in that zone, is the best thing for an athlete, but it's also the worst thing because you spend the rest of your life trying to get back into it. <laughs> yeah, correct. That's my whole. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's my entire mm. purpose in life. Yeah. And that literally is what gets me up in the morning is hoping that I'll be able to get into that state, whether it's in a mm. conversation with another person, yeah. with my artwork, with my training, mm. all of it. I I am addicted to that feeling. Yeah. Well, I can through. Capturing emotions, and we're talking about the wedding when you, and you got those emotions, there's the best experience that you've had within your fighting within life, the most relaxed you've ever been, the best fight, the best experience in sport, what we call future pacing. You're going into the future to imagine yourself standing on that dais with your big, oh, being lifted up in the ring with a belt. Yeah. Imagine fast-forwarding that, capturing those emotions so that then every time you step in the ring, bang, all these emotions come through at once. Yeah. So you've already projected yourself going, right, this is what's going to happen. So there's no fear. This is the best ever experience you've had, which is being in the zone. This is the best result you've ever had. This is the most relaxed you've ever been. You apply all those in one big uh, mash of emotions and you apply that to next time you step in the ring, bang, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. That's all I do for athletes. Wow. To get them into the zone. I've had that before. I've had national 100-metre sprint champions. Where's the most relaxed? I was sitting in the bath. Great, because it's warm, you're weightless, you're relaxed. Because a relaxed muscle is a fast muscle. Yeah. Relaxed muscle is a strong muscle. These athletes that build themselves up, that are so tense, there's no movement, there's no flexibility, there's no speed because you're just too wound up. Yeah, yeah. The best thing we can do is slow you down. Mm. Okay, you get all these athletes listening to the old doof, doof, doof music, (laughs) but it'd be better listening to orchestral music, meditating music, Slow them all down, relax muscle, fast muscle. You get a 10, 10 to 15% better performance. Yeah. Wow. I can mm. see that in my clients. I definitely see that when I'm training people, especially yeah. when they're first starting to hit pads because they mm. just get, they just want to hit so hard. And mm. I, I call it punching through yourself I, I, yeah. it, it, because they have to physically force their arm to go, to extend yeah. through all their muscles that are holding it back because yeah. they're just so tight. Yeah. And that's where damage happens because when people are stressed, the body's are stressed, there's greater chance of injury. Yeah. Okay, so you get a relaxed muscle, I can guarantee you're going to get 10 to 15% greater reach and speed out of it. Yeah. By being relaxed, less chance of injury, more power. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Mm. So when, um, so you're talking about this, this mode of getting into this relaxed state. Mm. 
And is there, is it a thing that people can do? Obviously you were talking about maybe 20 minutes a day, if you can, just to sit there and quiet yourself down. If you get to that moment and you start hearing voices that say like, oh, you should be doing this. You got to get back to work. What are you doing wasting your time? Or, you know, any kind of, of those voices, what do you do to keep yourself there? It is hard because the first time you do it, you're going to have that busy in your mind. It's just going to go absolutely crazy, which is why I said people find it really difficult building up to 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay, you start at 20 minutes, you're going to be crawling the walls after two. (laughs) Because your mind is not used to slowing down. All of a sudden it's like, ooh, here's an opportunity to process. Boo, up we come. Yeah, wow. Over a period of time when you build up to that 20 minutes, you can actually create your own little journey. The best way to do it is start at the end result. So why are you fighting? If you're only fighting to go to the next training session or the next fight, forget that. Where do you want to be at the end of your career? How do you want to look back? What is that one thing you want to... It might be a national title. It might be a world title. So let's start at the end and reverse engineer. Reverse it back to go, right, this is not a big competition, the one coming up, because it's something I have to do to get to the end. So therefore it becomes part of a process. So therefore it takes a lot of the pressure away. Yeah, okay. For that 20 minutes, the best thing you can do, I'll give everyone else another secret as well, (laughs) go to the end result and just focus on that. If your mind starts getting scrambled... Just go, no, no. Just imagine standing there on the dice because no matter what fears or thoughts, actions, reactions, things that are happening in your life, it'll all disappear when you're standing there or getting lifted up with your belt. Yeah. Simple. And what if you are, what if you're doing something? So this is where I was at with my last year of fighting. Mm. I didn't have that end result in my mind. I never, I've never seen myself being a career fighter. I've never even mm-hmm. considered, I never thought that I was even capable of being a champion of anything ever. Yeah. And it's, it seemed like actually almost surprising to me whenever I won. And yeah. I'm still surprised by it. I can't, I've never, I don't, you know, I talk to people who are good fighters and they go, oh, I just wanted to be the best. Mm. I just want to want to push myself to that best. And yeah. I want to be the best here in this world. Do you yeah. know, I want to write a book. Yeah. I want to um, be on stage talking about ideas that I've discovered through the course of my life or something, have something yeah. meaningful to say to share with other people. Yeah. But in my day-to-day life, I'm fighting. And I know that fighting has had major benefits for me and getting past a lot of the doubts inside my head. But when yeah. I think of that, like, what's my end game? Hmm. That isn't it. Yeah. See, motivation is only possible when you have direction. Yeah, wow. Okay, if you don't have the direction, you're not going to be motivated. If you feel like half motivated, I can guarantee your direction is either too small or not clear enough. Yeah, how do you clarify that? Decide, what is it you want to do? Yeah. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Wow, yeah. Okay, and think about that because that in in itself is enough to create some massive fears because people go, can I achieve it? But what would other people say? So all of a sudden you've got external beliefs. You've got your own beliefs. Mm. Again, if you knew you couldn't fail, write down a number. What are you going to do? Where are you going to be? How is it going to be? Because the clearer it becomes, the more opportunities open up. Yeah. And the greater the opportunities, the bigger the opportunities. And what if you can't decide? What if you like a lot of things? Well, again, let's look at a lot of things. You go, right, how many goals do you have? You might have 15, 20 goals. Okay. You wake up one morning and all those goals have been achieved. Then what would you do? How would you celebrate? Where would you go? What would you do? Huh. Okay, where would that be? Interactive, come on, talk to me. <laughs> me right yeah, now? Yeah. Um, so you're on stage, you got your book? Yeah, one. Of, I think that's kind of like big mm-hmm. picture. I have made a book, I've sold it, and it, 
enough it touched enough people or was interesting enough to enough people that I could be in a room on stage talking about the thing I was writing about. How many people and, in the crowd? Um, first number you thought of? The I second thought fifteen hundred was the first 1500. number I thought of. Perfect. The second one was going to be what? About half of that. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so fifteen hundred people. Okay. Yeah. When are you going to do this? Give me a time limit. Five years. Five years. Okay. So in five years' time. You come off stage having talked to 1,500 people, empowering them, who've bought your books, your programs. How are you going to celebrate that night? Um, I want to be with people that love me and that I love. Mm-hmm. I want to... Doing what? Where is this going to be? Um, oh, I don't know. I guess at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. See, that's all we've got to do. So wow. all we've done is now gone beyond those 15 to 20 goals gone beyond being on stage in front of 1,500 people, going beyond selling all the products and programs, going to beyond that to a celebration. So we've narrowed all those 20 down to one particular point, which is that celebration of having achieved the end goal. Now, all you've got to do is work towards that end goal and knowing that in five years' time, that's where you're going to be. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I guess it it simplifies things a little bit. It does. It takes a lot of the, the guesswork out. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, wow. And so you, um, you, what, you got into this thing because your mom started it and you kind of realized how incredibly powerful it could be from what she did with you. Yeah. Uh, within a two-hour session, it literally transformed the way I used to fight. I was good at sport. I was fast. I was flexible. Um, but I hate fighting. I didn't need to fight. Mm. I was just good at it. The only yeah. reason we went to martial arts is my brother um, used to get bullied. So oh, he yeah. went at the same time. They go, hey, you're going too. Yeah. And that was kind of how I got into it. I just love the whole culture behind it, the principles, the training, the technique, the, uh, the confidence you get, knowing you can walk down the street and you're good. Yeah. And it was when I was confronted with someone who's in front of me trying to kill me, that's when it started becoming real. I'm going, oh. And you start questioning yourself. Yeah. You start totally. analysing yourself. So all this, again, is, is that fear. So I've gone, right, I need to get myself into that particular space. What is the best mindset for me? See, I've had to generate all this stuff myself, whereas I work with athletes now, all the tools and resources I've created for myself, they get access to. Yeah. So for me, I had to put myself in that, in that state of this is, this is not who I am. I need to become this person uh, on the floor. Yeah. So what I did was I, I got a photo of my family. I went, what is important to me? My family. So I laminated it, sewed it in the back of my jacket and went, right, this person who's opposite me, they're going to kill my family. I'm the only person in between. Now see the difference? Yeah. For someone being good at sport versus hang on, I've got to kill or they get my family. <laughs> it was a totally different mindset and a shift and that was triggered by when I stood on the mat. In between rounds, the little stool that they bring out in between three three-minute rounds, they put it outside the mat because I didn't like myself. I hated myself, but that's the person I had to become to do what I needed to do. Mm. So, and, and that's the thing. There's so many athletes out there that you've got to be in a totally different space. Yes, absolutely. I go into, um, it feels almost a little bit out of control, but 
but I prefer it that way because I trust, and this is again, me with my own insecurities. I trust mm. my trainers so much more than I trust my own instincts or my yeah. own self. I, I trust my training. Cause I know that yeah. I've given, I do work hard for my fight camp. I will always work hard and make sure yeah. I put in the best effort I can. Mm. And so I trust that my body will know what to do from my training and that my yeah. trainers will tell me to do what to do. Yeah. So when I get in the ring, I I know that I'm fucking up only if I'm listening to myself. Yeah. And that's <laughs> if, a, I'm yeah. Not, if I'm not present, mm. I do much, much better. That's that muscle memory. That's that in the zone experience. Mm. Uh, when you can step out and just trust and believe in the training you've done, the skills you've got yourself and your results, or you just step back and trust, that's that zone. That's yeah. when everything just kind of happens. That's that magical place. And look, I've got a lot of professional golfers. And that's where they stuff up because they've got so much time to think. Yeah. It goes horribly wrong. If you look at a tennis player as an example, they're serving a little ball at 130, 150 kilometres an hour from one end of the court to the other. So within that split second, they've got to decide forehand, backhand. They've got to get over to that part of the court. They've got to have the racket swung back and they've got to be in a position where they're coming forward all within a split second. Yet within golf, you've got a ball sitting on a tee. You got all the time in the world to practice swing, to think, to adjust, to overthink, to analyze, to adjust. <laughs> yeah. Where all you need to do is just walk up and hit it, mm. and they would do far better. Yeah, I, I experienced that when I used to ski. I used to um, do like slope style skiing. Yeah, and so you'd have to you'd sit at the top of the jump line. And you could wait as long as you felt like waiting and then you could go. Mm. And, man, I would tie myself up in knots just sitting there thinking like, oh, no, I'm going to fuck this up. No, that's not yeah. good. That's not. And then I'd have to calm down and wait and wait. I always just tried to wait mm. until there was a moment of emptiness in my head. As soon yeah. as the emptiness came, I knew I was ready yeah. and I would just go. But that's a hard thing to control. I mean, people talk about the zone all the time. Mm. Are there methods of getting yourself into the zone? Like- yeah, there's a lot of methods and that's really where my... I guess my market is my individual programs I work with athletes and, and teams, or even corporate teams, is to create that trigger-based response. Oh, okay. So you can actually train it. It's like the red traffic light, okay? You've learned that over a period of time. So you can create your own trigger. Yeah. Okay, it's like business people. You put your tie in in the morning and you're off to work. It's like Superman. Wow. Ten-foot-tall bulletproof. You go, right, this is the person I'm becoming. Yeah. And step into that. Because if you've got these emotions and you choose your emotions, your actions, your behaviours, you can pick up all these experiences. So even if you, say as an example, if if people don't want to come and see me, if you can write down the ideal traits of the ideal person that you're going to be as far as a fighter, so next time you step in the ring, bang, you become that person. Mm. You do that often enough through your visualisation, you will become that person. Yeah. Okay, and it's it's all about if you've any behaviour you've got now is a learnt behaviour. Therefore, you can unlearn it, you can relearn it, and it's changing habits. So, getting out of bed and making the bed is a habit. Getting out of bed and not making it is a habit. All you got to do is switch habits huh. and switch the outcomes. And that's just making a con- conscious, decision. conscious decision. I will make my bed today, even if I don't yep. feel like it. I will do this. I, will. I just yeah. will. I will. Hmm. So it's a bit of discipline inside the brain. Yeah, let's face it. I mean, you're not going to get to the top without some level of discipline. Yeah. And it's, it's a very lonely world and it's a very selfish world. Yeah. Being at the elite in any, any game, sport, business, art, science, it's very selfish. Yeah. Because you are committed to something that not many people want to do. Mm. So while everyone else is out there and going out and friends and family and parties and late nights and everything else, you're at home, you're training, you're sleeping, you're eating. Yeah. It's a very lonely world. Yeah, and it does, it does feel 
it feels selfish and, and because mostly like most of my life I can't think about anything except for what I'm working on what yeah. I'm trying to do how am I, mm. how can I make this better is this working am I doing good am I doing the best that I could yeah. be doing how can I make this better and yeah I do I definitely feel isolated but um, one of the things that I think that a trap that we tend to fall into and especially myself and I've been noticing this a lot more lately is that I get so caught up in the thing needing to be better that I forget how to enjoy doing it. I've been struggling like with the podcast even recently, like struggling to have, you know, kind of authentic, good conversations with people because I'm too concerned with it being good or interesting or are people going to like this? Are people going to tune in? Are more Mm. people going to be listening or less people listening? Is it something I'm doing? You know, and and it starts, it becomes this, yeah, this gross. Yeah. It it feels Mm. like I'm caught in a spider web. Yeah, it's it's it comes back to everything we we're talking about, which is the fears, the doubts, the uncertainties. The ninety ninety three percent of things we worry about never happen. Yeah, God. So think about it. Think about your podcasts. You're going to get people that don't like it. But guess what? If if one in every hundred don't like it, go get more haters. <laughs> because ninety nine are actually taking the information, swallowing it up, and just using the content that they want. Yeah. So you're probably thinking, oh, I didn't get that right. But, it, but by one of your little diversions that we're going to have here today, probably 30 of them, 35, <laughs> um, what's going to happen is that's going to be the goal for someone else. Yeah. So what you think is, oh, we have to do this, all that non-relevant stuff that you mentioned, all of a sudden someone's just gone, bang, that's the cue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just trust it. Go with the flow and you'll be right. You'll get the right information. You'll get the right thing out there. It does feel, everything feels better when I relax, yeah. when I let go of it needing to be something. And it mm. feels, um, it's funny that you were talking about that athlete saying that they felt comfortable in a, in a bath. And yeah. I personally actually don't feel very comfortable in a bath. It's not my favorite place to be. But mm. I have this sensation, when I relax and let go, I have the sensation of being in yeah. a warm bath. It's like everything, all my muscles relax, everything yeah. stops. Hmm. And you can really feel like the true version of yourself, the real connected, yeah. authentic version of yourself that's not hiding behind insecurity or fear or lies yeah. or pretentiousness or hmm. self-indulgence. All that stuff kind of goes away. Yeah. And self-indulgence, there really is. I'm kind of coming to this realization now that there is nothing more kind of despicable or uncomfortable for me than being with somebody who's... Hmm particularly self-indulgent or experiencing something like that or when I myself am. It really feels, I don't know, it's like it's contrary to the human condition. Yeah. Well, don't forget a lot of those self-indulgent people are doing it for one reason because they don't feel good on the the inside. Therefore, they have to make themselves feel better on the outside. Yes. So where you see a lot of ladies, as an example, heavy makeup, nails, jewellery and everything, hair done and all the designer outfits... That's because they're making themselves, like that masking, they're making themselves look good on the outside because they don't feel good on the inside. Yeah. There's an inner trauma that is just churning. So they go, right, this is how I feel, but I don't. I want to put on a perception that everything's all wonderful. Yeah. Okay? People have got a natural energy that unfortunately as soon as makeup goes on, it just boop, coats them. Yeah. You see so many brides going out there and getting married, they look stunning before... And they look stunning when they go out camping and then they get to the wedding day and it's, oh, my God, what's this thing that's in front of me? It's the <laughs> yeah. face is painted up so much that there's just no life. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mm. absolutely, it's a mask. Um, interesting, actually, I wanted to ask you more about um, kind of this addictive tendencies. So yeah. I uh, had come from a background of having some pretty serious alcohol dependency issues mm-hmm. um, 
Exactly. And I was using it purposely for masking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Feeling very disconnected from my purpose and meaning in life, feeling really lost and not having a lot of really good friends around me. Nobody really, yeah. um, that I knew well. So I was just trying to fit in with people who probably didn't yeah. understand me. I didn't understand myself. So I just drunk. Well, that's the thing. Everything we do has got to have a positive benefit. So even smokers go out to smoke for a positive because it gets them away from reality, gets them out of the office, gets them away from the kids. Yeah. So that masking agent, the alcohol that you were talking about, was exactly the same as what we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Traumatic stuff in the past that hasn't been processed. The more you drink, the more you bypass that conscious mind. Therefore, oh, I feel better, feel more relaxed. But then it hasn't processed, so therefore you need more and more and more to bypass and get the same effect. Yeah. And, and people that have trouble with food, it's yeah, the same thing. Exactly and what kind of advice have you got in that world to help people kind of see, maybe see the behavioral patterns they're doing? Yeah, well, if you, look at, if you look at anything like it, it all comes down to traumatic experiences. Number one was, were you in control of that time? Okay, I can pretty much say, no. No one's ever in control of those past experiences. It generally happens as young kids. Could you control that situation? No. Okay, if you went back now, how would you react and respond in a different way? Um, if you look at drugs and cigarettes and alcohol, even over, overweight people, I'd say 90% of people are overweight because of unwanted attention, sexual abuse. They feel exposed. They feel vulnerable. So they're creating this physical protection on the outside because who's going to look at someone who's 150 kilos? Yeah, okay. Okay? They want to be average. They want to kind of hide in life. But as soon as they start losing weight, which is, yeah, we want to be fit, we want to be healthy, we want to be financially well off, we want to be loved. So they start losing weight, all of a sudden they start getting noticed, they start feeling exposed again, the unconscious mind goes, I remember back in the past I got abused, therefore, no, and boop, self-sabotage and up the weight goes again. Wow. Okay, there's that that whole yo-yo dieting effect Yeah. because, yeah, I can, but I can, but the benefits of being overweight are far stronger than the benefits of being fit. Wow. Okay. So as I say to a lot of my, my clients, this is where you literally have to go back and go, right, what is the benefit of being overweight? Oh, because I don't want to do this. Yeah, but you, let's trace it all back. Someone abused you physically, emotionally as that person. So every mouthful of food you're putting in, they're still winning. They're still bullying you. They are still out there. Yeah, wow. Okay? And I've got to be very cautious in what I do because as a fighter, that might be your inspiration. <laughs> you take that away, all of Everyone. a sudden <laughs> yeah. you're just going to stand there and cop every hit and punch because there's no need to fight anymore. Yeah. It's taken away that anger, that release. Yes. Richie always says this. Uh, the guy who is one of my trainers and the owner of our gym, he always yeah. says, everyone that comes to Muay Thai has got a story. Oh, because yeah. it's very mm. unnatural to want to beat other people up or get beat up oh, yourself. Yeah, you yeah, know, get, it's, and when somebody kind of thrives on getting hit in the head, you know that there's got to be something kind of going mm. awry in there. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It definitely means that they're, they're using it as an outlet for something yeah. that they're having trouble dealing with. Well, I must with admit, yet. I had exactly the same situation, which yeah. is my father died when I was 24. And I was literally fighting all those demons to some extent. What I noticed is I was training five, six times a week. Um, incredible shape, but it was literally I was running away from the past. I was fighting everyone who came close. You look at me yeah. sideways, I want to beat you up. <laughs> that was kind of how my life was. It wasn't until um, I was in line for 2000 Olympics. It wasn't until Christmas 99 that um, I turned up at my now ex's Christmas party we're playing soccer I'm used to spinning on mats and timber floors but I had shoes on we're playing soccer and I twisted went snap ACL medial meniscus 
So that was it for me. But for having my leg in a brace from right up top of the groin down to the ankle for, well, I spent about seven months, um, my release was gone. I couldn't get rid of the anger. I couldn't get rid of the frustrations. I couldn't keep myself busy and active and exhausted through physical training. Yeah. That's when my mind went nuts. Wow. That's when it went nuts. So I can understand why athletes do what they do. Yeah. I can understand that when a lot of elite athletes, when they stop their career, why they have this big plunge into cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, food, you name it, and violence. It's yeah. the same, exactly the same. They're looking for the same rush. They, they want to bypass all this conscious stuff that's going on. Okay, there's it's a massive mess in our unconscious minds and our minds. That's just massive conflict. Yeah, and that twenty minutes is enough to kind of slow you down. You look long term and you go right. That's enough to kind of give you the focus. Mm. But if you don't have a dream or a goal or an end result, I can tell you now, you're never going to you're never going to succeed. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that. It feels like mm. you're just kind of drifting in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. I'm interested in a lot of things, and so I get kind of confused. Mm. Like when somebody asks me that, what do you want? I'm like, well, this would be cool, and that mm. would be nice, and I'd like that, but I'd like what, what the world will let me have more yeah. than anything. I'm like that. I'm so passive about mm. it. Like, well, I guess I'll just take whatever I can get. Yeah. And and you're right. Like that's there's no that's no mentality to have because you're not actually going to be pushing forward to get to No, you're not. You're just busy surviving, and that's basically it. That's that's that real cautious mind, which is, yeah, I could, but, I could, but. Yeah. So what we tend to do is you can tell people who don't make up New Year's resolutions, who don't have goals, because there's no need to do it because they feel better with where they are, which is average. Yeah. Because yeah. if they step up, they get noticed. If they fail, well, they can't fail if they're doing nothing. Yeah. So therefore, I'll only do a little bit just to kind of maintain. But we're not born like that. We're born to really make some difference in the world. Yeah, what do you think we're here for? Why do you think we exist? Oh, if I knew that, I wouldn't be talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sitting on some boat somewhere, probably cruising around the world. No, I, I don't know. I don't know I just, I, All I'm here to do is just make a difference in my life. Yeah. If it means influencing 20 million people, then that's what happens. Yeah. Okay, I'm not out to influence 20 million people. I was asked this question. I was doing a seminar over in New Zealand. Someone said, oh, you're so successful because you've got 34 world champions to work with. I went, that's not success. Success is becoming the person that 34 world champions have approached to work with them. Yes. Success is the person that these entrepreneurs want on their side. Success Mm. is the person becoming that person that I get an email from one of the best soccer players in the world saying, come and work with me. I will pay for you to fly to France. I will work with you for a week. Yeah, yeah. Success isn't working with that person. It's becoming that person. So it's all, anyone listening here, just become a better version of yourself. Mm. And your world is going to transform and people around you are going to transform by just purely being a better version. Yeah. Even if you don't have a goal, just become a better version of yourself. Everyone wants to be better. So there's a great start. Yeah, and what makes you better, do you think? My like goals, the... my challenges. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I've got some big goals. Mm. I've got my long-term vision where I'm going to be in year 2020, and that's a good one for everyone listening. 2020, great. Ever heard of 2020 vision? Yeah. Perfect vision. So <laughs> if you have perfect vision on where you're going to be at the end of 2020 celebrating, that's where some amazing things happen. Yeah, yeah. That's where opportunities open up. Hey, yeah. that's why I'm sitting here talking to you today. Yeah. Because an opportunity. Someone mentioned something. Who's mentioned something? Who mentioned something? I'm going, yeah, I'm always going to say yes to any speaking event. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know where it's going to land. Yeah, man. I was in Sydney last Thursday, Friday. 
purely based on a gut instinct opportunity and go there. What's come out of that is incredible. Huh. But again, if I didn't follow the, oh, but, I, oh, but, 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 but. Yeah, but what if I say something stupid? What if it's dumb? Mm. What if it's a waste of time? I'm always saying I'm saying something stupid, so it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty used to that myself. <laughs> <laughs> Footy mouth, wash it down. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that we can do as athletes. The hardest thing is to listen to everyone else. Yeah. Okay, just trust yourself. Don't trust Lorna, don't trust me. But if your trust, as Lorna says, right, I trust this person into my life to help me, then that's trust. Yeah. Just because I say, hey, trust me, don't. Yeah. Never yeah. trust anyone. Okay. Yeah. You've only got to trust your instinct. Trust yourself. Okay. Trust the trainers. Trust the work you're doing. Trust how you're sleeping. Because yeah. everyone, every one of your opposition, they're fighters as well. Mm. They've got their own lives. They've got their own emotions. They've got the same brain that's working the same way. They've got fears. Yeah. They might show it differently. They might act differently. They might behave differently. And that's the thing is just to become yourself a better version of yourself. Yeah. So for me, I just work on that 1% extra per day. Just 1%. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Like when you say trust yourself, I think a lot of people I know, especially especially um, comedians because um, <laughs> they tend to constantly be in their own way. Oh, yeah. Um, and it makes good comedic fodder, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you don't trust I think a lot of people don't trust themselves. We are so disconnected from ourselves. When I make a decision mm. as to whether the video I'm working on is good or not good, yeah. I don't know. I can't tell if it's good. Yeah. Because I don't trust myself. I, yeah. And and I am that much buried in my own insecurity about mm-hmm. things that often I just end up paralyzed. Yeah. Let's see. Standing. What's the insecurity about? Will people like it? Well, some people are going to love it. Some are going to hate it. But yeah. that's their decision. Not yours. Yes, it's you just got to produce that content and let people either go, yeah, that's good for me, or no, it's not. But yeah. it's no relevance to you at all, which is how they feel. Yeah, you might do something incredible. Someone says, "Oh, that's awesome! Thank you so much." How does it make you feel? Well, do you know what's funny about that man is that the when I feedback one way or the other, I appreciate when people like I really love it when people tell me they're listening to the podcast because it makes yeah. me feel like what I'm doing has purpose that cause I, I, I could sit here and just talk to you in a room for five hours and it'd be fun. It'd be really we'd still interesting. We're talking to about me. the same stuff. Yeah. We'd still mm. be talking, but then I would feel like I wasn't really contributing that like that yeah. five hours of my life could be benefiting other people. Yeah. But because I was afraid to put it on the internet, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it, there is value in that. I appreciate it when people tell me that, but when it came to my artwork, especially if people would tell me it was good or people would be kind of mm. like, Oh, it's all right. I didn't care either way yeah. because what mattered to me was that I got the thing out of me. Yeah. And I, I want to get to a point where I'm like that with everything I do. Yeah. And that, that's all we've got to do is just understand that everything we do has got a positive benefit for ourselves. That's one mm. of the basic fundamentals of the human mind. Mm. How you react is your choice. How somebody rea- someone else reacts is their choice. You can do that incredible art piece and someone else go, that's yeah, crap. Man. Yeah. But that's their decision based on their feelings, their emotions. Yeah, it's not but what you've done control. is for you. So therefore, it's amazing how many people go, oh, you upset me. No, you haven't. You haven't upset me. You chose to be upset by what I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if you did the same thing and someone said, oh, that is awesome. Oh, I'm sorry I made you feel so happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that funny hmm. that like when we do something that makes people happy, we have a hard time accepting that we made yeah. them happy. We just go, oh, they like that. That's not within my control. But when hmm. we do something that made somebody upset, then we go, oh, my God, I'm such oh my a God, bad that's my person. Fault. I'm a shitty person. Yeah, I, so, know, I always yeah, blame is. myself for it. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. That was awesome. Oh, no, no, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. You talk yourself down from the goods and yeah. then you take all that negative crap. 
Yeah. And that's what people do. They're too busy wanting to dump their crap on someone else, their yeah. emotional crap, and out of there. Yeah, not take responsibility. So, yeah, just it would be so much easier. All your artwork I'm sitting here looking at at the moment, just go, you know, this is me. This is what I love doing. If people like it, great. If they don't, great. Yeah. You've got it out. Yeah. So the more people become more internal, I think the world will be so much better. Yeah. Have you ever um, heard of Jordan Peterson? No. He's um, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, I think, in, um, mm. at the University of Toronto. He's a professor over there. Yeah. And his whole thing is uh, sort yourself out. This is like it, yeah. if you could take his philosophy into one. He's in a bit of strife right now because he's um, been speaking out against uh, and people are trying to say that he's like a Nazi. And he doesn't yeah. like transgender people because mm. he's having a hard time with the whole um, gender non-binary group yeah. of people right now. Mm. He doesn't care about them. He cares that they're trying to enforce a law that says that you must refer to me as my chosen gender. Um, mm. And he just said, anytime we're starting to pass laws on how we should um, talk to each other is yeah. dangerous. Oh, very. Um, and so he's in a bit of strife at the moment. Everybody's just trying to lump him in with the far right wing, you know, crazy people. And he's like, what the hell? Like, I'm so far away from them. But anyways, mm. his whole point is in all of his experience in clinical psychology over many, many years and teaching it mm. is that the problem is inside each individual. Yeah. When we are fucked up on the inside, we do fucked up things to other people. Exactly. And that's all it is. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Because, look, to be honest, there's that whole, what in Australia people call the tall poppy syndrome, yeah. which is I want to cut people down, but they don't. We love successful in people in sports, business, art, science. We love those people. But we just don't like people we know being successful. So what that basically means is, look, we love world champions. We love talking to them. We want to be part of them. We want to connect up to them. But if that was someone we know, what we want to do is pull them back down to our level because it, it, we make ourselves feel bad. That Look look at what they did. Look how good they are. Look what they've achieved. I haven't. I was in exactly the same place. Yeah. So two things will happen. One, they want to kind of pull them back down to our level, therefore making us feel better about ourselves. Yeah. So we're going to start focusing on just becoming a better version of us. Yeah. That whole non-judgment and just judging ourselves and going, well, if no one likes it, too bad. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. This is what I want to do. The more we start absorbing external factors, other people's beliefs and values and opinions and success, and as soon as we start judging ourselves on that, we become better. Oh, sorry, yeah. bitter. Okay, and that's what we've got to stop doing and just put all your energy and time into yourself. Yeah. And I've, fill your own jug up, basically. I've, been, I've realized very recently that the, in my experiences of other people and my own self in this world... Mm. The insecurity, I think, has to be the most disgusting yeah. human trait that I've encountered on, yeah. on all facets, myself mm. and everybody else. Like, I notice um, because I'm not fighting at the moment, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to get back into training and get that yeah. love for the sport again. I feel jealous of other people that are fighting. I yeah. feel jealous that other people are getting the attention that I used to get. You know, there's mm. these little moments come up in me, and then I'm really ashamed of it because I yeah. know it's fucking stupid. Yeah. But it's because I'm not taking very good care of myself. You know, like exactly. I have, mm. I'm not doing the right thing for myself. Mm. And so all I'm doing is just projecting it out onto other people that, oh, I could have been, I could have been, I could have been. And it's like, stop yeah. it. There's, but you weren't. Yeah. I'm not. And that's the reality is this is who you are. This is where you are. Yeah. This is where you're going. You've got to change who you are into that person. And that's why I think the power of social media is so demoralizing and oh, draining at the oh, moment because 
let's face it, we all want to put the best of ourselves up there. Or yeah. some people want to put the worst of themselves. Feeling depressed. Yeah. Great. Delete. Um, <laughs> Feeling depressed. But that's the thing. We, that's why social media exists because we love to connect but we, we, all we're doing is judging ourselves against these other people. Mm. And it's amazing how that's actually influencing our own beliefs. It's cutting us down as people. Mm. Uh, and it's just incredible. There's so many things that you just want to put something up there just to share it. But when you give the world your energy... Whatever you've done for yourself has just been lost into a wanting feedback from these people. Yes. Yeah, it really cheapens it, man. As soon as I do something and put mm. it out there, then immediately I'm consumed with how many people are going to like this, how many people are going to listen yeah. to it. And it totally stops while I'm creating the podcast, while I'm mm. making a video. I yeah. love all of that experience. Yeah. And then as soon as it's done, I feel empty inside. Yeah. I feel... Because you've put everything out there. Yeah. I um, feel like I'm shouting into an empty room. Yeah. Interesting. I did something three years ago. My wife was off doing the Kokoda Challenge in the back of the hinterland of Gold Coast. She was doing that and I put little photos and things up on Facebook and it was the biggest um, response I've ever got. We had national champions, world champions, Olympians who I know (laughs) making comment on her page. She's not even on Facebook but it was on mine. I went, imagine if there was no one there to support Oh, yeah. So I woke up that morning. I went, you know, I'm going to do something for myself that was pushing the limits of mind and body. So I went and did it. All the way through it, and when I stopped, I've gone, it was a real battle by going, everyone needs to know this. Yeah. What if I put it up on Facebook? What if I'd said this? What if I did a photo? And, 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 but what was incredible, that 24 hours, I didn't put it up. I was beating myself up, going, everyone needs to know about this. <laughs> but I had this calmness overcome the following night. I'm sleeping going, I did that and no one would ever know. Yes. My wife didn't know, no one knows. I just get up and I did it. But that, guess what? Rather than spreading it to the world, because I know 12 hours later someone did something similar and there was just this <laughs> posts on theirs. But I've gone, that's really good. But you've chucked it out there and all you've got is comments coming back. It's all energy. Yeah, but yeah. I've got this thing within me now that I know at any time I could get up, I could do this. So you've got that inner power now, a tool, a resource that you can draw it at any time. Yeah. It's like my black belt. It's amazing how many times in business I've got, I've got to an edge and I've just gone, I need to break through this. I've gone, hang on, if I can do the black belt, if I can do six, seven, eight, 12 years of training to get to this point, to, I've got this, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. So these resources at that moment, because yeah. that was all before the social media. So I look at it now and go, right, that thing I did on that Sunday, that can never be taken from me mm. because I can draw on it at any time, but no one knows. Yeah. Did you feel like you needed to do it to prove to yourself that you could? No, it's just my mindset and how I like pushing the limits of mind and body. I wanted to understand how social media works because yeah. the feedback I was getting, it wasn't even about me and I was feeling this hype because it was my wife because I was connected to her and she was doing the 100 k's to the back of the Gold Coast. Yeah, and it's almost it's almost easier that way because it's not about you because hmm. it's like you can feel this kind of pure energy exchange that has nothing to do with you. Yeah, I was getting this rush by going, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going, that's not even me doing it. Imagine if it was. That's why my whole decision was like, let's just push it and see what happens tomorrow. yeah. Oh, that's interesting, Mm. man. I think my core sensation about what we are doing here and why we exist, and obviously Mm. this is just a theory. I haven't proved it by God yet. Yeah. Um, 
is I think that human beings have this innate need to feel connected, like that yeah. something from wherever we come from, hmm. we come out as individuals, and we have to experience a reality and distinction where there is a skin that stops me from being you. Yeah. You know what I mean? This There's a barrier between us, and we are always looking to find that connection through something to yeah. ourselves and to other people. And the whole journey of life is like as we go and experience thing we collect stuff that makes us more disconnected Mm. and it's our job to constantly figure out how to get rid of that shit and i think like social media really preys on that innate desire for us to feel connected but it does it in the same way that uh sugar or alcohol or drugs make you feel this artificial sense of connection that is it's too easy to mm. get, you know, so anytime something's too easy, it's too isolated, it's yeah. too quick into the bloodstream, mm. it, it, your body hasn't had time to really feel like it deserves it. Yeah. And then once it's gone, you really need it because you you've got more. this huge yeah. pile of it and then mm. all of a sudden it's not there anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah. it's not a new thought, but um, it is purely addictive. I mean, this sensation of you, and they've designed it in a way that's addictive, and they didn't even mean to. They're looking at mm. it later going, fuck, this, we've created a monster here. Yeah, and that's what they're preying on. You're right, because there's that whole boom, red warning. Yeah. And you feel good because someone said, that's great, that's awesome, and, and, and. Yeah. And what next? And you what want, next? Then what? Oh, I want it again. I want it again. They're constantly yeah. on Facebook, constantly on social media to get those little boo, red warnings. How do you get through that? Do you think, like, if you notice, uh, what you, do you deal with addicts very much? Yeah. 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 How do it, you help them get through that? Like, is there a consistent thread that addicts tend to have that they're yeah, lacking? It's all, or... it's all masking traumas. Trauma. Yeah, it's all trauma. It's all uh, self-imposed and everything like that is either someone has once done something or said something to you or you've believed something to be true, therefore you start conforming to it. So you start living this life and then all of a sudden you go, right, how do I not feel this bad? Okay, masking agents, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, food, keeping busy. Social media is busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes you to an altered state. So it bypasses the conscious thinking. So while you're on social media, feel good because everyone's involved. As soon as you come off it, it go, ooh, now... That's run out. Where's the energy? Got to do it again. Yeah, it needs some but more. But what if someone says something? But what if? But what if? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and it's it's really hard, and I really feel sorry for the young kids coming through these days. Oh, me too. Teenagers. I'm scared for them. And I think you're right. Like at the end of the day, if you are solid inside yourself, like you mm. really understand why you're doing what you're doing, and you yeah. have the right, um, I guess, intention to be a better version of yourself, it can't yeah. really go wrong. Yeah, it all comes down to that reason why, the purpose. Yeah. I use the example of like the iceberg, not the typical metaphor with an iceberg, but one-eighth of an iceberg is above the water level. That's what people see. That's a perception. Okay, so all people see when they're looking at Lorna is one-eighth. So therefore, you've got to look at that and go, right, seven-eighths of the work she's doing goes unnoticed. Unless they listen to my podcast where they hear all of my neurotic insecurities constantly. <laughs> but you're working on them. But that's the thing. It's about – it's not if, – so if you could get a small big iceberg and a big one, the difference – it's not what you see above the water. It's working underneath it. Yeah. And that's what we all have to do for ourselves, not just in your martial arts or in business or in life, but you build yourself underneath. Yeah. You become more structured, more buoyant, more resilient. Therefore, one-eighth is going to float above the water. It's going to be a bigger eighth. Yeah. That's what we've got to do. Start building the underneath. But think about the effort because only one-eighth of the work you're going to do is going to be noticed. Okay, so it's a matter of building that. And if you don't have the structure underneath to support what's on the surface, the more and more and more people get on the surface, the more it's going to be seen to be sinking because you don't have that structure to support. So if you look at all these instant 
a star through what is it, the voice and America's got talent. You look at all those, they're kind of thrust out there in the world, exposed, and then they crack and they crumble because they haven't built up the resilience, the structure, the, the really deep essence of themselves. Yeah. And they're just going to sink. Yeah, because you haven't changed that person yet. You haven't changed person. the person. And that's what it is. It's about becoming the person, like I said, about what is success. Yeah. Success is not working with the 34 world champions. Success is becoming the person that's yeah. out there and exposed and moving enough people that 34 people actually find them. Yeah. And, and that gives you confidence, I suppose, to be able to trust that you know you can do, you can yeah. help them. Because mm. I think that there is a lot of that, the imposter syndrome, you oh, know, yeah. where people feel like um, they've got some success. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, well, you, well, you've done this before, so you can help me. You know, mm. you've got 30 Instagram or 30,000 Instagram followers. Can you help me? And then you're like, well, I don't know. Mm, don't I, don't, know. I have no idea. I've I never 30, done 30,000 friends are paid for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're mm. all paid likes. I'm sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> Who would have thought? That's mm. a creepy thing, too. Like, that's another disgusting disgusting thing like two people are engaged in your post what you're doing mm. is bullshit and no yeah. one gives a shit about it but you have this appearance to be something again that's what we're saying that you got the surface yes, and people are judged on the surface not the work that they do underneath mm. and that's the thing you got 30,000 likes on instagram yeah so what yeah exactly oh, friends of mine got 20,000 followers on linkedin yeah name one <laughs> yeah and they can't because it's just about collecting numbers collecting names that whole self-perception of this is who i am yeah. They get their value from other people's perception, which is right. Thirty thousand people like me. Yeah. And do you think that leads to addictive tendencies? When yeah, absolutely. Because if those thirty thousand people don't engage, how do they feel about themselves? There's that imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing they've got, I guess. And that's that's what we're talking about. The whole of martial arts thing. You just got to trust your skills, your abilities, your training. Trust you are who you are as a person. Yeah. As soon as you start overthinking things, bang, you're gone. Yeah, wow. Like I've done it in hospital yeah, many times. Well, what am I doing in hospital? Concussion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not a problem. Whoops. <laughs> oh, Next time, I'll duck. <laughs> yeah, funny. Mm. Oh, awesome, man. Well, this is a great conversation. We've been talking for an hour and a half, I should Have probably. we? Yeah. Ooh. I know. It's amazing awesome. how quick it goes, isn't it? Mm. Um, well, before we go away, do you have anything that you want to tell the people um, anybody who's kind of struggling to get past their own fear and they mm-hmm. really want to get to that next level. I mean, besides listening to this podcast, obviously, which would yep. give them tons of in- advice, mm-hmm. but. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyone who's listening, who's interested, I do have a published book called the Dear Diary Process. If you either through Lorna or myself, there'll be a link somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'll sure. put a link on here. If you want sure. to uh, send me an email, I'll send you the ebook version of that. Now, the Dear Diary process was a process I created 17th of March 2010. I had a professional golfer from Adelaide, flew up to see me in Brisbane in the office. Within 10 minutes, he actually said, I write, I write in my diary every night. I went, why? You've done it. It's history. And the way the brain works is whatever you have in your head when you go to bed, that's what you're going to be processing. The way our mind works is there's certain fundamentals, and this is all the work that I do. Project yourself into the future. How is it going to be? How is it going to look? How is it going to feel? How are you going to be because of it? Now, if you write tonight how tomorrow was in advance, so how did you sleep tonight? How did you wake up? Felt good, great. Then what did you do? Went to training. Well, how was training different? Then what did you do after that? Then you went to work. Then you did this. Then you did that. You can write the outcome of all your experiences in advance. So you're putting your intention out there. Now, how this works is we go back to what we call neuroplasticity. The brain is always rewiring and changing itself according to your intention, your outcomes, your beliefs, your values. 
So tonight you write how tomorrow was, though it's already happened. So using past tense word, it did, I noticed, I experienced, I achieved, I had, I felt, I did. So all this becomes your day. And as you go to sleep, your mind is going to be busy processing. You know, I said before, when you go to sleep, your mind starts processing backwards. Yeah. Well, this way, your mind is actually processing forwards. Wow. You know the outcome of your day. You know the outcome of the meetings. You know the outcome of your training sessions. You know that, right, in the past, I have done this habit. I've always done this. In training, I did this. Great. Accept it. Understand it. Tomorrow, this is what I did. I turned up, rewired myself as I slept. This technique, this new, this approach, this mindset gave me this end result. So you're actually rewiring your brain as you're sleeping. Okay? Wow. So if anyone is interested, happy to give you the ebook version. I actually gave away my last copy last Thursday at a charity event. So if anyone's interested, just send me an email and I'll, yeah, I'll send you the ebook version of the Dear Diary process. But very, very powerful. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'll have links to that and I'll have your email address on yeah, here. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for You're coming welcome. out.